Hey y'all, welcome to the Midweek Fix on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. This is Cross Politics. Good to be with you guys. Pastor Toby Chalk Knox. I'm the water boy. And as you guys know, it is Christmas season. Yes. And as we go into 2022, sign up to join our club. We need yes. your support. We want to build an army of club members. Why is your Christmas thing not Oh, man, it's not. I forgot. I forgot. I got to hit oh, it. Yeah, okay. There, there we go. <laughs> Make bring bring, bring hey, the holiday did cheer. You, did you see what happened at Fox? Did you see? Love their happened. Christmas tree got lit on fire. Really? Literally, <laughs> they live streamed yesterday their Christmas tree. <laughs> No way. Out, out, no. They actually caught the guy, but it, the one right in front of the oh, building. Oh, someone lit it? It seems that way. Well, I'm nope. still waiting for more details. We'll update you later. <laughs> across little, the little arsonist. <laughs> yes. Hey, this show's brought to you by the Reform uh, oh, Stage. Oh, I, 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 I was going to show the man box right. picture, fine. you know, because my, my Christmas t-shirt, our new right, camp, fine. camp this fire mug. Reform Stage, just wait a minute. All right. Okay. I'll let you go there. You messed up my plug. This me. show's brought to you by the Reform Sage. It sells really cool merchandise with a strong reformed message Oh, and amazing. No, really, it is. Coffee. Their desire is that their merchandise and coffee can be a conversation starter with those around you who don't know Jesus. And mm. through conversations about a design or around a cup of reform roasters, sanctified beans, may it lead them to an understanding of the knowledge mm. of God. You know, like, give me an organ or something like that. I know, I know. I was, know. Well, Come on, I was kind of thinking, like, did they you know, baptize this, their, this, their coffee? They probably do. This, this guy's based out of Boise. Boise, oh, Idaho. Really? Oh, okay. yes. Idaho. Yeah. The Reform Sage's merchandise includes, but is not limited to, Bibles, Bible covers, beautifully engraved wood art, shirts, hoodies, keychains, mm. tumblers, and yes, of course, the Reformed Roasters Coffee. Visit them online at www.reformedsage.com. First-time buyers can use a one-time promo code of FLF to oh. receive 10% off their first order. And it's, and it's Christmas. It is. Okay. All right. So so did you know that redistricting is racist? <laughs> uh, we're, well, we c c maybe. Maybe. Well, well <laughs> Merrick Garland <laughs> thinks it's racist, all right? Oh. Uh, today, the Justice Department has filed suit against the state of Texas for violating Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. As the Supreme Court has observed, a core principle of our democracy is that, quote, voters should choose the representatives, not the other way around, oh. close quote. Oh. Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act requires that state voting laws, including laws that draw electoral maps, provide eligible voters with an equal opportunity to participate in the democratic process and elect representatives of their choosing. Oh. The complaint we filed today alleges that Texas has violated Section 2 by creating redistricting plans that deny or abridge the rights of Latino and black voters to vote on account of their race, color, or membership in a language minority group. So have you He's guys got an oppressive la Latino in the background with a mask on? Have you, well, <laughs> have you ever seen Kung Fu Panda? You guys ever seen that? Oh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a yeah. moment in there where the panda goes and, like, I don't like that guy. <laughs> I'm having one of those moments right now. I don't like that guy. Hey, with no. us, no. With us no. today, right now, to help us understand and interpret that guy <laughs> is uh, Mr. Michael Sullivan. He's a publisher at Texas Scorecard. You can follow him at Texas Scorecard on the Twitters. Um, he um, is not looking for your approval. Well, amen. And he and his amazing wife have three kids, and his dog's better than your dog. So there, I know that because I don't have a dog. So yeah, you're right, <laughs> Michael. Oh, thanks for joining us on Cross Politic again. Hey, thanks. I appreciate you. My, my dog is here in the studio with me, so 
if you see his head, you'll know why. Okay. And then we will know that your dog <laughs> is better than our dog. <laughs> um, Michael, so um, is Merrick Garland right? Did, did Texas sit down and decide, you know, we are not going to let blacks or Latinos um, be represented in our state? You know, Merrick Garland has a, um, he has a view of the world. Um, <laughs> he has a view. Yes. Um, and, and that is definitely an opinion. Um, you know, what, you know, Merrick, Merrick Garland, like every single person who holds public office, uh, they have one goal and one goal only, which is to keep holding public office and for their party to keep holding office. And that's about as far as their benevolence extends is to their own sense of political self-preservation. And whenever you talk about redistricting, I don't care what party you're, you're affiliated with or anything, it always comes back to uh, the, to the political calculations of the people holding political office. And you got to keep that, whatever rhetoric they they throw around it, whatever uh, pretty words they say, inflammatory content, it's always about winning and losing their side versus their opponents. It, it seems particularly here that the Democrats in the last, uh, um, I'd say since, probably longer than this, but since kind of 2015, 16, when Trump was running for office, like calling Republicans racist is like just part of the Democratic mantra. If we just keep repeating this again and again and again, then eventually every or most people just believe it. It just It's part of the culture. And so when, when Mayor Merrick, uh, you know, says Texas is basically um, racist in how they redistrict. That's just, that's just <laughs> st- democratic standard. I mean, it's just their standard play and there's no yeah, basis I mean, behind it. it. What, what is so sad is, you know, it, on the one hand, we're going to keep calling people racist until everyone believes that that group is a racist. The, unfortunately, what actually happens is you call everyone a racist and everything racist and everything is racism. Suddenly nothing's racist anymore. Right. You know, there, there are actual people in this world um, where, where sin manifests in their life by hating someone because of the color of their skin or their ethnic background. Those, that, that sin really exists in this world. And yet, um, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. The Democrats have, have taken that and made it so that sin no longer actually counts anymore. They, they, mm. They've devalued it to the point where, quite honestly, if you haven't been called a racist today, you're probably not breathing. Um, if you haven't been called a racist this week, you're probably not actually engaged in fighting the culture wars. Are you even trying? Well, <laughs> yeah. so here's something that I did that I shouldn't have done. I know it's a mistake, so don't beat me up, okay, Michael? I actually took the Democrats serious. Um, <laughs> and I, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the head shake of shame. Yeah. Shame on yeah, you. Yeah, shame. Uh, but, and, I, and so when they I'll took. hire of you. <laughs> I want to. I want to say, okay, if there's a problem here, I want to take everything. I don't want to th- assume that they're right, but I actually want to take every accusation seriously. When they brought out the redistricting maps of of Texas, I'm like, these are some funky lines. Now I don't know what's going on here yet, but when I look at at least the representation that they give me, and I see the lines drawn, I can't help but say, why is it that they are drawing these funky lines in such a way? Because it, it, it absolutely looks like that they're at least catering, like you said, to themselves winning, but is there more going on than that? Yeah, so so th- this is this is the irony of the Democrat position. Uh, the, the Democrats' position is you can't use race, and you shouldn't use race. Um, I think we'd all agree you shouldn't use race um, as the determinant for drawing a district boundary. 
On the other hand, they want racial lines drawn to produce their own partisan outcomes. And they take this worldview that says, um, if we put the right amount of Hispanics or African-Americans or Asians or LGBTQ people, whatever kind of groups you can compact together, um, they will produce a, a Democrat seat. Um, mm. And so it, you have this weird world in which the Democrats say Republicans shouldn't use race when drawing lines that benefit Republicans, but Democrats should use race for mm. lines that benefit Democrats. <laughs> right. yeah. It, it, yeah. it doesn't actually make sense. What the Supreme Court has said is that you know they didn't endorse this, but what they gave a pass to was, of course, Parties in power will draw lines that benefit the parties in power. And as long as they aren't explicitly uh, denying someone the vote, then it's okay. That's a pretty high bar. So, so go back and define what redistricting well, hold on, is. Before, you want to go before? Yeah, before you get there, though, I, I want to just point out what you said. It's so so vital that people understand what you just said because I've been listening to both sides, Democrats and Republicans, have this argument back and forth. And and Michael, you are so right. One of the Republicans said we drew this without any race intent. We threw it. We drew it colorblind. The Democrats come out and say, "Well, then, how in the world are you going to see us?" And so it's like, wait, if I drew it with color, you'd be mad at me. <laughs> and so it, now I, I decided we didn't draw it with color, and now you're mad at me. Yep. Which one is it? So you're absolutely right about that. Okay, Gabe. Yeah. So so um, how do they – what are the standards or what are the metrics that they're using to define the kind of a proper redistricting process? Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's like beauty or I guess pornography. You know it when you see it. You know, um, and, and and that's kind of redistricting. Um, oh. There's this real interesting case that my lawyer told me about from the 1960s, where I think it was the state of Tennessee had not drawn new district boundaries since you know the early 1900s or something. So it had gone 50 plus years at new district lines, which meant you had some districts that had a hundred times as many people in them as other districts. New um, mm. redistricting because of this of this concept of one man, one vote. And so, you know, every 10 years we you know, do, do the math and redivide the lines. Um, and, and that was what redistricting is supposed to produce, supposed to produce a way so that an equal number of people have an equal shot at at electing someone, um, you know, and, and, and when you do that, what's, what's been the standard has been, you know, keeping together communities of interest, you know, neighborhoods, don't, don't divide up cities in weird ways, re uh, respect geographic boundaries like uh, major highways or rivers or valleys or, you know, those kind of things. Um, that, that's always been kind of the standard. But you know, when you do that, this is where the art of redistricting comes. The science is there are 100 people, you've got 10 districts, you've got 10 people per district, right? Okay. But the art comes in that you know, people, um, believe it or not, don't live um, in, in equal proportion to each other. Right. <laughs> you know, right. So when you right. start trying to get the 10 people into this area, um, that's where that's where those, those questions start start arising. It'd be nice if we could just do little square blocks of longitude and lat right. latitude, 
Um, but that, that's not that's not the real world. And that's where the art comes in. That's where the politics comes in. That's where the gamemanship starts to come in. Now, we were talking about this earlier where there could be like some sort of algorithm that could kind of take care of a lot of this. You know, so you have, uh, you know, square foot. Like, to, can, square we, get, in your can we get like a Dominion machine to do this? Ah. For us? <laughs> we know the outcome of that every time, though. It's racist. <laughs> um, it, you know, you take into account square footage, population size, um, Home ownership, um, <laughs> no. you know, so, some things, some things like that, that you could put in just to an algorithm. Everyone knows the algorithm. Everyone sees objective, you know, right. data that's feeding it and just say, okay, here's our new districting lines. That, that's a great idea, but we live in a post objective world hmm. uh, you know, where, where, where every algorithm is subject to the, uh, to the, um, to the machinations of, of each individual throwing in, you know, their facts, their truth, mm-hmm. a phrase that makes me want to vomit every time I hear it. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. I, I go ahead. my mouth a little bit. <laughs> you can do it on camera. It's all right. <laughs> Especially after that. <laughs> but, but I think that's where, um, you know, I, on the one hand, I think you're right. You know, I think there's that sense which we would all like there to be this, you know, very hyper scientific approach to, um, uh, to you know, to defining out the di- the representational boundaries. Um, on the other hand, um, you know we pay these guys to do this. This is actually part of their job um, is to you know, is, is, to, is to do this kind of work. And I think that you know no matter how scientific we made it, because you decide to move your family to city A, um, and your and your cousin moves to city B. And now you can't keep you all together. I mean, there's just these you know, human interactions are, are, are more messy and more gloriously diverse than uh, than what I think a computer algor- algorithm would, would allow or that we'd probably even want. Hmm. Um, I, I, at some point, we have to ask all of us to to stop presuming the worst. Hmm. Um, in this case, with the Democrats, um, maybe the. Uh, no, these guys, we need to be encouraging folks to stop playing into the race game and just say, look, the Republicans, when they're in charge, they want to draw Republican districts and the Democrats in charge want to draw Democrat districts. And that's the way it we don't actually have to go beyond any motivations than that. But the, but the, the real question has to be who's being served in redistricting? Um, you yeah. know, you know are, are we serving the citizens or are we serving the politicians? Uh. And right now, Merrick Garland um, is defending a system um, uh, that that you know that, that champions the politician, but he's using the phraseology, using the words of of racism, which is a very personal, you know, you know citizens are being attacked kind of mindset. Um, but but we should actually be looking at this from the question of you know, are we actually helping the citizens or are we helping the politicians? And redistricting helps the politicians. Right. So, so, oh man, okay. How do we then get redistricting back to helping? Because what you just said, it sounded like to me that we're between a uh, mountain lion and, you know, a, a wolf. And those two are about to fight over us. And we're choosing which one we get, we want to eat us at this point. The elephant and donkey. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> but but so in that if that's the case, how do we get redistricting back to the place where we're, we're actually serving the citizen again? Well, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the idea of getting back. So I'm not sure redistricting has ever really been done well. OK, OK. Um, I, I think the solution to to redistricting is found in, in citizen participation. Mm. Um, when, when you look at, um, at, at a lot of these district boundaries, you know, uh, 
a, a gross example of this is um, if I live in an area where people don't vote, well, we, we, we proportion our, um, all of our districts from city councils and county districts and everything is proportioned based on how many human beings have beating hearts in those areas, not based on, on voting, not based on. So if I'm in a low voting area, suddenly my vote counts a lot more than you who's in a high voting area. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and some of the solutions got to be citizens step involved. Um, it, we, we need to do a better job of citizens taking back their government. And at that point, we start seeing some solutions to redistricting. But right now, with so few people participating, in, in most places, when you look at, at local governance, cities and schools, you'll have 8% turnout in elections, 10% turnout in elections. Ridiculous. Um, even, in, yeah. even in big statewide races, you might have only 50 or 60% of eligible voters participating. You need more people participating. Yeah, we just had our local city council mayoral election back in November and only 30, maybe 30% of Republicans, conservatives showed up to vote. Yeah. And we lost. We, of course, lost. And Democrats, they probably had 35%. I mean, it wasn't much better. But, like, we're in a, a supposed liberal town. And if our Republicans would just show up to vote, we'd actually win all the elections. We'd <laughs> right. win them. And as supposed what everyone thinks as, as a liberal town, it's just it's just ridiculous. Um, Mike, is, is gerrymandering the same thing as redistricting, or is that something different? Well, uh, gerrymandering is the, is the phrase given to a, uh, a, a district lines I don't like, okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I like the lines that is a scientific and, a, and an even-keeled yeah. approach to, to drawing representational boundaries. When I don't like it, it's gerrymandering. It's just a derogatory term for yeah. redistricting. Derogatory term. That's right. That's Got right. it. Okay. Uh, uh, so, so right now, in our current state, we live in a small town, like he was just saying, if we, what would be one of the st- recommendations you have for people in a small town? We, we're dealing with redistricting, but we actually have the ability to change some of our system in smaller counties or small towns like ours. Where would we begin to, I mean, let's just say, let's start with we're engaging in politics. We're at least getting out to vote. That's number one. How would we go about setting up a, a fair system outside of redistricting in, in maybe a small town like ours? There's a lot of people across America in small towns like this. Yeah. So, you know, the, you always have to remember none of these decisions, you know, a lot of these decisions are, d- despite the, the view we have that these decisions are made in, in back rooms, smoke field, hidden from the world. In fact, uh, redistricting decisions, just like the budget, just like everything else, are actually conducted in nice little hearing rooms with semi-uncomfortable seats that are all empty. Um, and redistricting isn't done in uh, November and December before the, uh, before the primary elections, it's actually done, you know, six, eight, 10, even 12 months earlier, all with public hearings that no one shows up for. Wow. Um, you know, it, 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 is, it, it is convenient to complain about the redistricting process when it's done. Um, a lot of us have to get better at participating when it's going on. Um, in Texas, redistricting started more than a year and a half ago before there were even census numbers available. No one showed up at those hearings. And then, of course, you know, it, it all proceeds through. Um, every one of us needs to do a better job of showing up. My dad is a football coach when I was growing up, and I, I can still hear my dad's pep talk to every team. He said it every week, 
we lose every game we don't show up for. Right. And, and and that is true in everything in life. When we don't show up, we always lose. And when it comes, no, no, whether you're talk, talking redistricting or anything else, we as citizens have to do a better job of showing up. <laughs> we live in a system that was designed for the citizens to 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 participate, for the citizens to be in charge, and we need to act like it by showing up and participating. So, uh, and this is the last question, and I kind of want to talk a little bit about the the the. In, Biden mandates. I know that's kind of switch, but um, do, do you think at all that this case is going to have any equity if it goes to the Supreme Court? It seems like it will. Is there going to be any equity whatsoever that they can prove that this thing is racist in Texas? Do you think they're going to? No, I don't think so. I mean, look, the, you know, and then we are. You're probably two years away from any of these uh, from from this particular lawsuit even being heard. Um, in a substance, what are the merits perspective mm. um, now before a, a single judge in some courtroom in Texas that none of you will ever visit, right? Yeah. Um, you're talking five, 10 years before it's before the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, at most, what you're going to get is a, is a, a local federal district judge making the decision whether or not it looks like um, the Democrats have a case. And if they do have a case, should that judge do something right now? Um, mm. The standards that the Supreme Court have set are so incredibly high now for judges when it comes to um, interfering in elections. Um, the, even the most left-wing judge, no, oh, by the way, this is a very left-wing judge's court in, uh, in Texas. Um, now, even that judge is going to be real careful about how much they mess with the maps. The courts have all kind of agreed Judges aren't supposed to be in the map drawing business. Mm. Uh, they're supposed to be in the conflict resolution business. Mm. And so um, so it's, it's unlikely that this is going to result in, in major changes to the Texas maps anytime soon, if at all. What it could have the, um, could have the effect of, though, of delaying the Texas Republican and Democratic primaries. They're currently scheduled for March 1st. You could see them moved into April, May, June, July, that sort of thing. Um, now, as you know, as little small changes are made, as arguments are made, uh, but that's probably the biggest change we'll see. So, uh, well, actually, one reminded me of one more question before we switch over to the the vaccine stuff. Um, uh, May- Mayor Gar- Garland is obviously um, uh, racism is a big issue to him, so he cares about minority voters. Um, is he is he pro life? <laughs> uh, negative. He is not pro-life. So, so he, he you don't mind cares like, about you life. Know, it's related to the life of people who make contributions to the Democratic Party. <laughs> so, well, that's so, dead people too. So, I guess in one sense, so he doesn't mind like murdering f- future minority generations that might vote, <laughs> so long as they're flooding in over the border. Um, just before we let you go, I know that you're in Texas, so you got a lot of you know what's going on with the whole. Um, mandate coming from the federal government onto private employers uh, to force vaccinate their their staff. Um, I kind of just want to get your take on that and, and kind of where you think it's going to end up landing. It seems to be being pushed, even though the, the courts are kind of pushing out and saying, yeah, that's not going to happen. But it's not stopping the president. It's not stopping a lot of the liberals. It's not stopping anybody from trying to push this thing through to um, – uh, the, our citizens, are you surprised by this? What's your take on this? And what do you think it's going to end up at? 
Yeah, I mean, so in, in, in Texas, we, we see a lot of um, uh, we see a lot of politicians talking out of both sides of their mouth. Um, our governor, for example, um, has done nothing real substantive on the issue. He talks a lot about the issue. On the other hand, uh, we've got all of our state universities are pushing along the vaccine mandates, even with uh, them being put on hold by federal courts mm. of late. Um, you know, so I, I, I think what, what this vaccine issue is revealing would probably, you know, at least the four of us would probably agree has been the real issue all along, which is not vaccines and it's not health, it's control. That's right. yeah. um, the, 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 this issue is showing us which politicians actually believe in that weird, dirty word of liberty and which ones um, really actually believe that, that they're smarter than all of us and they should tell us what to do. So what do you see happening, Mike? Is, is, does this, I mean, are we, are you seeing any um, pushback against that? I mean, it looks like, I mean, again, I'm, I'm seeing, I agree with you. I think that's right. Is, is there a, a, a tide that's turning at all? Uh, certainly among citizen, among the citizenry, there's a tide. And look, I mean, this is, this is where, this is the thing that gets me real excited is I think I see a lot of folks waking up. I see a lot of folks uh, realizing that, gosh, that election I didn't vote in, it actually has a consequence. Um, and, and you see that. Um, and for example, uh, we reported on this um, yesterday uh, up in the panhandle of Texas outside Amarillo is a major nuclear um, uh, processing center where almost the entire U.S. nuclear arsenal rotates through to check it for its safety and its effectiveness and those sorts of things. And you've got somewhere between a third and a half of the literal nuclear scientists there who who just don't want to be vaccinated, and they are going to be fired within the next three or four weeks. Uh, that impacts national security. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that goes beyond whether or not you know the koozie you bought for your you know for your grandma for Christmas arrives on time. You know, th- this goes to our national security. Wow. Mm. wow, Michael Sullivan, TexasScorecard.com, sir. Thank you so much for coming across politics. Uh, watch your back out there, man. You a real one, and you know they like to take real ones out. So make sure you got security with you. you know what I'm saying, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> if you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until Sunday, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is cross politic. Apparently, you need to vote. Yeah, go vote. Thirty yeah. percent. <laughs> we did not design a cookie cutter curriculum meant to chop students into appropriately shaped submissives or snowflakes for the secular zeitgeist. We designed our curriculum the way we did because we want our graduates to be equipped to stand courageously against that destructive zeitgeist and to honor their maker and how they body, mind, and soul battle to save their communities and the entire Western world from our current diseased insanity. New St. Andrews College is not in the business of rubber stamping graduates for this particular job market or that particular career. We aren't happy unless our graduates are equipped to tackle any constructive cultural task anywhere, from courtrooms to hospitals to job sites to movie sets to the highest risk job and the most important setting of all the raising and training of the next generation of immortal souls around dining room tables and in pews. The world may have gone mad, but it's not the first time. It has been saved before and by particular people, many of whom shared a very particular type of education. Augustine, Calvin, Jefferson, Churchill, and many lesser known heroes in times of madness all had one type of education, one type of training, 
in common. And it's the same kind of rigorous education we currently pursue surrounded by the rolling wheat fields of Idaho. By God's grace, our civilization will be saved or rebuilt from the smoking ruins. The men and women capable of such a task, capable of fearless joy and fiery laughter, all while undertaking such hard cultural labor, those are the kind of graduates we want, the kind we expect. They are why we exist and why we teach what we teach. So you might call it a major in world building or culture shaping or a major in saving civilization. We call it classical Christian liberal arts. New St. Andrews College, saving civilization since 1994.